Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, go ahead and roll for perception. I got a 13. Hey, that's pretty good. With that, you can tell there's some fantasy situations going on. You hear some adult language. And with that, you can tell this podcast probably isn't for kids. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from illustrious illusions to the illest illithids. And today, we're multi-classing. Whoa. Brian, it's breakdown time. Whoa, <laughs> this is an episode I've been really excited for. I think a lot of other people have been excited for it too. There have yeah. been some requests and comments, yeah, sections yeah, pe- and whatnot. People have been requesting, and you have been requesting. And I've been actually, I've been the opposite. I've been putting it off because I'm just like, man, I don't even know how to approach. Because it's not like a normal class where I could look at the features and like break it down and talk about the history. Multiclassing can be anything and everything. Yeah, I'm really so. interested for what you came up with as far as the format for this episode in your notes. Yeah. Um, so, Let's Will. See. Run well, me down. How we how we approach in this situation? First of all and foremost, let's talk about what multi-classing is. Yes. Multi-classing is a customization option that you can take as a player, in which basically it's a way for players to diversify who and what they are. It's a way for you to basically um, take levels into other classes. Okay. Um, so that's to say, I start my adventure with my, my customizable character, three levels of wizard. But I also want to be a fighter real bad, and I didn't take, right. I didn't, I didn't think, about, I didn't want to take the uh, Eldritch fighter. I wanted to be a wizard and a fighter. Right. So then I start taking levels in wizard or in fighter. Yeah. So yeah. I'm a wizard and a fighter. Yeah, and that's how it works. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's, it's pretty straightforward and simple. It, it, there are there's more to it than that. We will get into it. Okay. But I will like to stress that multiclassing really is an option. It's not part of the core rules. Even though, I mean, it's in the core book, but basically uh, DMs can just say, no, there's no multi-classing. And there are reasons for that because multi-classing is a double-edged sword and there's a lot to it. Okay. So, like you said, each level up is kind of a chance for you to dip into another class. Right. Um, as long as you meet 
the ability score prerequisite. There's a ability oh, score prereq. I didn't know that for every single class. Um, it's usually um, whatever the main uh, ability score for the class is, and it's usually the number thirteen. Sometimes okay, okay. it's twelve. It varies. Most of them, it's just one ability score. I think for a couple classes, I, I'm trying to think which ones. It might be Ranger. I think you might need Dex and Wisdom at a certain level. Okay. But okay. for the most part, it's one ability score, usually 13. So for like uh, Fighter, it's going to be Strength or Con at 13. Barbarian, is going to be Strength or Con at 13. Uh, okay. A wizard is going to be Intelligence at 13. So like as long as you meet that prereq, you can dip into the glass. Sweet. Now, this is for two reasons. Um, I think the main reason is, well, because it just makes sense. Like, you're not going to become a wizard if you're stupid. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but also, it's a way, it forces a player to not be able to min-max. Okay. Theoretically. I mean, in some cases, well, it you prevents find a, you. Min-maxers yeah. find a way. Power gamers find a way, yeah. indeed. Um, so, when, when you do this, it kind of can confuse the whole leveling system. I mean, not really, but like theoretically it could. So what they did was they differentiate between your class levels and your character level. So like when you're a wizard and you're level three, you're a level three wizard, but you're also a level three player. But then when you take that fighter level, level four, you are now a level three wizard, level one fighter. Yeah. But you are a level Level four four character. Character. And and that's where your proficiency bonus will come into play, right? Yes. This is solely for proficiency bonus. I, I think that's the only feature that's really affected here. Um, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure just proficiency bonus and the proficiency bonus is one of your most important numbers. Yes. And if proficiency bonus was affected by multi-classing it would basically make multi-classing fucking useless and no one would ever do it so right okay it's just, like if it would reset the number you mean and not if like, it would set it back yeah yeah, yeah it would that would be terrible it would just be a horrible system so, okay yeah so that being said that's what multi-classing is let's talk about why would you want to multi-class um well why would you want a multi-class? Okay, why would I want a multi-class is because uh, I usually have a really cool character concept that one single class doesn't quite fit. Right, okay. And we'll talk a little bit about that kind of, excuse me, later in the episode. But um, mechanically what you're doing here when you multi-class is you are decreasing your specialization in whatever it is you do for an increased versatility. Right, okay. Um, Usually, usually speaking, there are, there are ways around this, and we will we will talk Diversify about Diversify your bonds. Um, so the thing that you're doing is inherently very mechanical, and you have to kind of pay attention to it because, like, there are, there are combinations that you can do with multiclass that are utter garbage that oh, are so shit. bad that <laughs> even for role play reasons, I wouldn't suggest doing it. It'll it'll ruin your gameplay experience a little bit. I, I would say so. Okay. I think, uh, you're definitely hamstringing yourself in a lot of ways. There are other combinations that are incredibly exploitative of certain combinations, um, which power gamers will be drawn to. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes it's cool to see what the game, stretch the physics of the game. Let's see what you can do. Let's break this Um, bad boy. That being said, I, if I'm playing a long-term campaign and if I even if I do have a power gamer who wants to exploit something really cool, I'm I'm for it. But it's like, OK, we need to sit down and make this make sense. Though. We need to come up with story and role play reasons. And we got to make this happen in a way that makes sense. Yeah. Because if it's only going to make the game better. Yeah. Let's let's keep embodying this yeah. experience of D&D, which is the role play. Yeah. It needs to make sense. It needs to serve the character. Um, 
So yeah, I uh, feel like barbarian is a really like adding that rage to your to whatever it is you're doing seems like a cool. It looks like it can blend more with more things. Barbarian is one of the worst classes in a multi-class. Really, with. Yes. I wouldn't think that because, because of the rage mechanic. The rage mechanic is cool, but like that extra damage doesn't do jack shit at higher levels unless you start oh. like pouring into barbarian. Oh, but there are some exploits with barbarian that are amazing. Okay, uh, one in particular we will talk about. But generally speaking, barbarian is one of the worst classes that you can multi-class with bard in seems the long good run. bard, bard is good. very good we will we will kind of like weigh and measure which classes okay do we'll the get best to it then this. yeah um so as we said like some some classes uh combo great some classes don't combo great at all um and some of them combo so well that there are built-in mechanics to prevent uh, overpowered characters. Like oh, there's shoot. overpowered no character mitigation. Kind of built into it. Uh, this is primarily why classes are not front-loaded at all. Like, okay, yeah. If you think about it... Yeah, you don't want it. You need to get to a, like higher levels to get like the really juicy stuff. Yeah, exactly. Most char- most classes don't hit their stride until level three to seven. Yeah. Somewhere in there. That's why I feel like if you're going to multi-class something, you want to at least take three levels in whatever it is you're going to be a part of. That is, yeah. Three is a very popular amount of multi-class that people do. Right. Um, now, not all, some classes are more, more front-loaded and the more front-loaded classes, they are better multi-class classes. Um, mostly, I'm looking at Cleric also sorcerer a little bit but we'll talk about that later like you get a lot of juicy stuff at level one so you can take like one level in something and just move on yeah and also like okay so one of the downsides about of multi-classing is falling behind the other characters in capabilities right because you 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 have you take the risk of doing that yeah you take the risk of doing that because since most classes aren't front-loaded um, it you it, you take a few levels before you kind of start to catch up again. Yeah, uh, which can be a long time in real game terms. Like, right. So yeah, um, the front loaded classes you don't suffer that as much. Yeah, like level five to six could theoretically take like a while of like a bunch of sessions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, there are some other downsides to multi classing that kind of like mitigate overpowered characters. Um, one is the extra attacks mechanic. Um, they put those at certain levels so that like let's say you're a fighter and you want a bunch of paladin stuff Mm -hmm. well at level five you get extra attack for both classes right okay but if you go to level four fighter and then take a level in paladin suddenly you're falling behind because you don't have the extra attack other fighters have right exactly and so that's that's one of the things uh ability scores is another thing where you fall behind Uh, usually that's level four and when you decide to multi-class Rather than hitting one of those ability score levels, you fall behind. Oh, shoot. So and that's not tied to your player level. It's no, tied to your character exa- level. No, oh. no. It, it's not tied to your character level. It's tied to your class level. Oh, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know, yeah. But um, so so that's another big one because like ability score boosts are huge. And you know what else you could do with those levels? You could take feats. Yeah. People take feats. The feats are powerful. And that's another thing you miss out on. Or at, it's not so much that you miss out on them. Well, sometimes you do. But um, it's at the You'll very least you set later. it back. Yeah. yeah. Um. I didn't uh, think of that. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Uh, another thing is lack of capstone features. Now, this is a drawback that most players never experience because you don't get to your late class capstone features unless you've been playing a very long time, usually speaking. I've never heard that term, capstone feature. It's just like your your big features at the end. You know, your level 20, oh, your level like if you're features. your wings if you're a paladin yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, your immortal body is a druid and all that weird <laughs> shit. Um, 
And just by multiplassing, um, the more you do it, the the further back your capstone feature becomes. And right. The weaker it becomes. Right. And the later in game you'll even get it. Yeah. And in some cases we'll never reach it. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So that, that's that's another drawback to multiclassing. Um, another way that they've kind of built in mitigating factors is you only get to be level one once. Remember that when we build our characters in D&D, level one's a really big one because you get all your proficiencies and your True. saves and your HPs. You get that that level one HP, which is the full die. That's probably the biggest you're going to go. Yeah. As, and in terms of like leveling up to HP, unless you yeah. have like some... Unless, unless you take a feat or something later yeah. and, and stuff like that. Um, and you only get that one time. When you multi-class into a, another class and get level one... You don't get the starting HP bonus, so you just roll the hit die like normal. That makes sense. You barely get any proficiencies. There, There is a list in the multi-class option that tells you what you get, and you get real basic stuff. Oh, they're different from like what the classes yeah. you get? You don't get the saves. You don't get all of the armor and weapons. You only get some of the armor and weapon proficiencies. Wow. You usually don't get any of the tool proficiencies. You usually don't get any of the skills unless you take Rogue or Ranger, which you'll get one extra skill, which is pretty cool, but... Yeah, you only get to be level one once. So that's another mitigating factor. Interesting. Because if they didn't do that, why wouldn't you multi-class like five times? And yeah, just get, take level one I have of this. 50 skills and all the HP and like, yeah, it would just, it'd be ridiculous. You I know we talked that. about building like Link one time and yeah. like you take one level of this and one level of that yeah, and yeah, one level and of this. And I was to. like, that sounds so yeah. broken. Why well, am I doing this? This thing, is why you're not doing yeah, that. This is why you're not doing it because it's not broken. It's actually probably garbage to build that. <laughs> like you can technically do all the things Link could do. You could just do them all badly. <laughs> but, but better than the average D&D NPC. C could do any yeah, of them. Yeah, but by being level one, you're better than the average uh, uh, NPC. You, uh, the average NPC is a peasant who 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 works the field. Yeah, <laughs> he's really good at digging. He has one H- He has one HP and an AC of nine. Like, <laughs> like what do you want? It'd be really cool to do like a week campaign where you you do this this multi class one level. Mm-hmm. All the, everybody does it, yeah. and like you have all this versatility, but everything that gets thrown at you is weak, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be kind of fun. Um, I, I speak, you fight things with nine H, nine AC and one HP. There you go. Which is um, people. I have seen cool concepts of level zero characters, like before their class. Oh, cool. Um, they actually straight up made mechanics for level zero characters in fourth edition, which were really cool. Um, but we're not going to get into that now. They don't have those for fifth edition, but I wish they would because I don't know. There's just something fun about that. Like I don't know what I'm going to be. We're going to do this level zero adventure, and then when it's all over, I know what I'll become. Like right, that's cool. kind of fun. It's like deciding your backstory. Kinda, yeah. Uh, mm. It's kind of playing out your backstory. Anyway. Interesting. But anyways, moving on. That's not multiclassing. So, um, let's talk about other like weird things that kind of happen with mechanics because of multiclassing. Let's talk about spell casting. Okay. Because in Dungeons and Dragons there are four types of casters. There's full casters, which basically they're like your wizards and your clerics and sorcerers like spell casting is what they do. Right. You have your half casters like paladins and rangers that like they're a bit of a mix. Okay, they yeah. have certain they have a lot of spells, but they aren't primarily spell casters. Yeah, and the spells don't get super crazy typically. They gain spells at half the rate. Right. Then there's your one-third casters, which are your Eldritch Knights and your Arcane Tricksters. Basically, mm-hmm. you are primarily a martial character who dabbles in magic. Right. And you gain spells at one-third the normal rate. And that's really cool for, like, do you need some range in your life? Yeah, it, it's cool for versatility. I find that Arcane Tricksters and Eldritch Knights are cool for 
uh, support spells. And, yeah. Okay, so like with, when you're building an El- Eldritch Knight, which we'll probably, one day I, I'd like to do a series of like, let's build like a specific type of character and get into the nitty gritty of it. But with Eldritch Knights, like, it's cool to have some evocation spells where you get to blow shit up because mm-hmm. it's nice to have that option. But for the most part, you're going to be doing a lot of abjuration magic that's going to boost your AC or boost the damage output of your sword right. and stuff like that. Or also the feature where you get to hit somebody and then do a cantrip's nice too. Cantrips are powerful, pretty powerful. Yeah, they are. They are. But like, you're not going to just dedicate all your magic to blasting because at that point, you're just mitig- mitigating yourself. It's Yeah, it's you're a, a fighter inherently. Yeah. So anyways, back to... Uh, multi-class spellcasting. So, and then the fourth type of caster is, well, warlocks. They have their own thing. Right. It's, as a matter of fact, their magic isn't even called spellcasting. It's called pack magic. Where's Druid um, on that list? Is Druid that a is caster? a full caster. Oh, okay. Full yeah. caster. So, the way this works is the second you multi-class two classes that both have spellcasting, you, you start ignoring either of their spell lists. Not their spell lists, but their spell slot. Uh, their where, how they gain exactly like how the proficiency bonus would be like this sliding scale where you level up and at f- like fourth level you get X number or whatever. Yes, you you ignore both classes charts and you refer to the multi class spellcasting chart. Whoa, which is actually really simple and it's it's a I love it because it's so simple and does it so right and it's as simple as this. Simple. They and clean. have they have a um a table from one to twenty and basically for every level of full caster that you take. You move up one. For every two levels of half, you move up one. Oh, okay. For every three levels of third, you move up another one. Okay. Um, so it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Warlocks are kept separate because their shit is fucking weird. Um, basically, with with warlock pack magic is you have way way less amount of spell slots, but you they replenish after short rest. So the way that works is you refer to the multi-class spellcasting charts let's say uh, let's put this in example form so let's say sorcerer warlock you're half and half okay um so let's say you're five levels of sorcerer five levels of warlock you will go to the multi-class spellcasting chart and you will move five up to level five on that and that's your sorcerer um okay yeah spell slots i got you and then for warlock you just refer to the warlock chart and like you just keep them separate okay um because of this warlock is probably if not the best class to multi-class into, in the top three, easy. It is incredibly, incredibly diverse, and it's incredibly versatile, and it just melds with almost fucking anything. Nice. Um, but we'll get into that I later. I like it for role play too. Like, oh, you, yeah. Your arch, your arch whatever, yeah. can come and like just, hey, yeah. you're a warlock now because I exactly. said so. Exactly. It, it definitely plays to the story easier and better than most. I would say uh, warlock and also sorcerer because sorcerer could just be like, oh, your genetics are fucking expressing themselves now out of nowhere. Yeah, you yeah. don't have to do this like training. It's just yeah. like, well, you've unlocked your hidden abilities. Yeah, exactly. Congratulations, it's like, it's like traveler. When, when the Namikian guru puts his hand on, <laughs> on Krill and say, or Krill and Yeah, say, they does it for both. It locks their, their, their potential. hidden potential. There it is. You're a sorcerer ah, now. <laughs> my body. Um, there are some features that uh, literally had a little excerpt in the multi-class options of the player's handbook where they're just treated differently when it comes oh. to multi-classing. There's only two. One is channel divinities. Uh, they don't stack. So oh. you have access to the to all the channel divinities you get, but you can still only cast one per short rest. Right. Or if you get to or high two. enough levels, two per short rest. Okay. Uh, but they don't stack. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, it is fair. Uh, another thing is unarmored defense does not stack. 
Okay. Which means that barbarian monk don't even bother. Because <laughs> theoretically, it'd be cool. Because like with with the monk, you you stack your wisdom on your AC, and with the barbarian, you stack your con. So that could get you could really that means high. three stats you're stacking onto your AC. So that they're just like no, you on armor defense, just choose which one you're using, and that's it. Okay, so you would go with the higher stat, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So there's there's no point in even trying to mix those. So yeah, uh, with with all that said, uh, I'm getting a little parched. I think it's time for short rest. Let's take a short rest. All right. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the part of the episode where we stop talking about the last thing we were talking about. Forget about it. Let's talk about you guys and how much we love you. I love you. I love you, listener, viewer, <laughs> whatever you are. Why do the short rests get weirder every time? <laughs> no, they don't. I'm just <laughs> but no, we really do appreciate all you guys out there listening and sharing the show. Um, yeah, it helps. And, you know, we're humbled by it. And thank you. Contest winners. Probably next time. Yeah. Again, we record these ahead of time. But yeah. almost definitely next time. Yes. 
pretty much yeah, definitely next, next time, episode you will be announced. Yeah. Uh, and by now, you should probably have your prize. So. Yeah, hopefully. yeah, hopefully. I mean, if all goes to yeah, plan. Yeah. Depending on where you live and how far I have to shift these ding things, but we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> um, Patreon people, if you came in, thanks a lot. We'll get you on the next one as well. Um, but as for that, I don't think we have really anything to announce. We just want to say thanks for leaving iTunes reviews or reviews of any kind, commenting on the YouTube channel, hitting the like button, the subscribe button. That really helps us a lot. There've been a flood and influx on the YouTube and the, the SoundCloud as well. Like yeah. it just our, our show overall is doing really well. And it's thanks to all of you. Yeah. I, I will say this too. If you have any suggestions for improvements of our show, um, I, you know, I'm always open to hearing suggestions, how we can make this show better for you guys. So please let us know. Yeah, definitely. We love the, um, the constructive criticism here on the dungeon cast. Yeah. Speaking of the dungeon cast, you can find it on soundcloud.com slash the dungeon cast. You can find us on YouTube, search the dungeon cast. Thank you, Josh Freeland. You can find us on Twitter at the dungeon cast. You can email us with that feedback we were talking about the dungeon cast at gmail.com. Um, did I miss anything? Did we get it all? I think we got uh, it yeah, all. Yeah, I think we got it all. Yeah. Find us. Yeah. Use your podcasting app. <laughs> Go to iTunes, whatever it is. Um, you know, we, man, I love you guys. <laughs> I just can't stop thinking about it. But uh, let's 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 continue on with the content let's and go back to the show. Back to the show. <laughs> there it is. All I right. see it. The Sweet. recording. It's going. <clears throat> okay. So for me, the best part of multiclassing, and I do always find myself drawn to multiclassing, uh, is being able to bring a concept I have to life. And I, I, I guess I'll bring up a couple of multi-classes that I personally like. They're not the most mechanically amazing, but they're all relatively good. Uh, some better than others. And they're all just a cool concept that I wanted to play that I can make come to life via multi-classing. Nice. And the first one for me is like the concept of the demon slayer or demon hunter or like undead hunter. Like... Like Van Helsing? Like Van Helsing, yeah. That's yeah. a good example. Like, Because like, if you play a ranger who is good at hunting these things, like that almost gets it, but not quite. You're still tied into all this nature stuff, and it just doesn't quite feel like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or like Van Helsing or okay, any of that yeah. stuff. And on the other hand, if you go full cleric, you're not enough of a fucking hunter, you know what I mean? Even though you have all these cool anti-undead stuff, it's just not quite Yeah, there. where's the Wolverine in you? Exactly. Like, you know, you're not smelling the ground. Yeah, so I love being able to fuse both Ranger and Cleric together, which works pretty nicely because they have the same spellcasting ability mod, which is a huge factor with your multi-classing. Okay, sweet. Um, and I probably should have mentioned that earlier. One of Because yeah, that can things, get complicated. Yeah, if you have two spellcasting ability mods that counter each other, it's almost always hands down a terrible idea yeah like wisdom and intelligence yeah. and that's like it's, it's hard to get good stats and two exactly. things and not really lack in something else right but ranger and cleric do complement each other very well here and you can kind of vary it up how much you want to go in either way um but like cleric gives you that certain divine mysticism that these characters have i also yeah. think i also think like the movie version of constantine with this oh yeah Keanu Reeves yeah, yeah. fuck yeah exactly fuck yeah, yeah. that yeah. sounds so, awesome I like, love that movie. I would Ranger Cleric it up you know like so, Ranger Cleric in the big city wow the that's big city, that's yeah. what yeah, Constantine's a good movie you guys yeah. should go watch yeah. it if you haven't um John even though it's nothing like the comic book but that's not necessarily a bad thing Isabel um <laughs> okay moving on so some other concepts that I've played with um I'm always playing around with this concept of like I, I call I like to call it an eldritch knight but it's not like the sub not like the fighter class eldritch knight i do mean like a knight of the feywild so you mean knight eldritch 
Sorry. I guess. Continue on. <laughs> uh, you could call it like a magic knight or yeah. a fey knight. And for me, like it's like an Eladrin or a high elf uh, that makes his paladin a warlock. And the paladin would be the Oath of the Ancients and the warlock would be the Pact of the Fey. And you get a lot of really cool synergy there. That's hearty. That's hearty roleplay right there. Yeah. And I just it's just so juicy, so yes. flavorful. Uh, you know, there's a lot of teleportation. You can uh, use your divine smites with your warlock spells, and you get a lot of, uh, you get some nature spells, a lot of like uh, charm and enchantment spells. That's like chili yeah. and cornbread. Yeah, exactly. It's it mixes like, real good together. It's like chicken yeah. and waffles. So yeah, and like <laughs> you can't do, you could just roll either a blade lock warlock or an oath of the ancients paladin and get like seventy percent of the flavor, but it just doesn't quite do it. So okay. like mixing these two classes plus like the the choice uh, race of Eladrin or High Elf or even Gnome technically um, really gets you this good flavor. And for me, multiclassing is all about the flavor. Like it just makes role playing the character so much more satisfying. Yeah, you can really get this specific thing. Like if you're going for that that Buffy the Vampire Slayer feel, like yeah. I want to run Buffy the Vampire Slayer. How do I do that? How do I make this happen? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, like oh man, I want to run Goku, but you'd probably just be a monk. Yeah, you'd probably just be a monk. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another one I play around with, I've never gotten a chance to play, is like the Inspiring Captain, which is basically based off the fourth edition Warlord. Oh, yeah. Which is a really cool It's a cool thing. class. In fourth edition, there was a class called Warlord, which basically was a healing support class that also frontlined with weapons and they healed people without using actual magic. Yeah, they basically inspired their allies to kind of like it's suck really it up. close to Bard. It's it's very very similar to Bard. And that being said, the way that I kind of make this work is one of two ways: either fighter Bard or paladin Bard. And okay, basically, yeah. you're, what you're what I'm attempting to do here with this combination is select spells from the Bard that I can reflavor as like the inspiring word of Fourth Edition, mm-hmm. including the Bardic Inspiration, which is perfect. Rather than bardic inspiration, it's your warlord or your captain inspiration. You know, your yes. superior officer, like, get it together, boys. You know, <laughs> rub dirt on that right yeah, now. Yeah, and get back up here. Rub dirt on it is actually literally a warlord power in fourth edition. Oh. Rub some dirt on it. It's literally what it's called. And cool. you get like temporary HP and a plus one to your fucking attack bonus. Supremely named. Yeah, so there it is. Um, and so for that, uh, the paladin also works because, you know, with the paladin, you're a knight and you can. You can kind of reflavor some of those paladin spells too, but I think fighter bard is probably going to be more the speed of what I'm trying to get out of this yeah, character. Yeah, and there's an infinite amount of concepts and an infinite amount of way to express those concepts, and some of them will work and some of them won't, and you just kind of got to get get out there and experiment. Um, this is why multicasting can kind of be tricky because, like, it is inherently you you were looking at the mechanics and looking at what you can do with these mechanics, and that's going to attract a certain kind of player. And that's why, like, I, I just highly recommend that if you're if you're doing this, like, kind of mitigate yourself on the power gaming end of it, because we're about to get into the most power gaming stuff there is in this game. So let's talk about it. Have you ever let's heard? Do. Have you ever heard of the the concept when it comes to like um, an overpowered game mechanic, or they call it cheesy? Uh, I always like every time something's OP, it's referred to as broken. Like oh, okay, broken, like works breaking too. the game, or like yeah. that's that's it's always that's fucking broken. Yeah, for some reason, I, I, I don't know the origin of this. And I'm sure that some viewer or listener can let us know. Like, I don't know what the origin of calling something like just adding the word cheese on the end of something because it's so powerful. Is that like a like the concept of adding cheese to food? Like, oh, that's like. I guess so. Like a Royale with uh, cheese or I a Quarter for, Pounder with cheese. I, I guess so. I first came across this in fourth edition because there was like 
a certain mechanic you could take advantage of called uh, frost cheese, which basically like you could Gross. just fucking stack massive amounts of frost damage. And it was so cool. But anyways, <laughs> getting back to this. So we're going to talk about the cheesiest stuff that D&D has to offer. All right. Uh, let's talk about what I like to call Eldritch Smites, which is basically you use your your warlock slots to uh, dish out Divine Smites. Oh, fuck. Which, as you know, Paladin Divine Smites are very powerful. Yeah, they're really cool. And they're tied to your spell slots, mm-hmm. which only replenish every long rest, unless you have warlock slots, which replenish every short rest. Whoa. And, actually, that sounds awesome. And honestly, all you need is the level two of Paladin and just go full warlock. Next thing you know, you're just fourth level slots every short rest, just massive D8 damages. Yeah, no, it's. It, I would say that the Warlock Pact Divine Smiting is the most uh, well-known uh, multi-class exploit Fuck. in 5th edition. Awesome. I think pretty much, if you've been playing, if you've been multi-classing, if, if you've been looking into it, this is one of the first things you come across. Nice. And you're just like, oh shit. Because that one's very obvious, I think. Some, some of these other ones are, are a little less obvious. Yeah, you only need those two levels. Yeah. Which I think is like a great way to, to optimize also, is to like, oh, I only need three levels of this. Right. And I can just like be my character, my other my other class that I wanted to be to begin with. I'm just that much more powerful or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so the next one I want to talk about is one I've seen referred to as the mad crits TM build. Okay, cool. <laughs> I like when they have like funny names like uh, that. So this is basically mad you, crits. You got to be a half orc cause half orcs get uh brutal crit critical hits. That's where they get 19 to add and 20. Extra, no, no, they get to add extra uh, damage die on top of it. Oh, um, you're going to choose Barbarian because of the rage and you're going to be double-handed and you you want to be able to dish massive amount of damage in one go. Right. But you're also going to take three levels of fighter to get that champion in. And that's le- where you get the 19 and exactly. 20 crits. And honestly, if you take some more levels and there's a certain point where in fighter uh, 18 is also included on that list. Ooh. So you, you basically, you expand your ability to crit and then you maximize the damage your crits can do. Right. It's called the mad, bad crits build. That's fucking so cool. That one's pretty cool. And that's just straight up like... You are maximizing damage as yeah. a as a frontliner. Yeah, absolutely. Um, here's a build called the Nova Knight. Um, have you ever awesome. heard of Nova damage as a concept? Only in Golden Sun. I know I talk about that a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. But there's a there's a cool synergy ability called uh, or synergy ability called Nova Strike, where you just like fall out of the atmosphere and you're on fire and you oh, like shit. tackle <laughs> tackle somebody out oh, of the shit, sky cool. <laughs> and it's called Nova Strike or Nova or something okay. like that. Nova damage in D&D speak is basically how much damage can you dish in one fucking turn just if you were to unload everything you could yeah. in one go what's the maximum Nova damage your character can deal nice uh, the Nova Knight is basically the sorcerer and usually paladin but it could be fighter I would actually even recommend fighter uh, in this case is basically remember when we talked about the sorcerer sorcerers have a feature called metamagic well, one of the meta magic features that you can choose from and spend your sorcerer points on is called quickening, where you can quicken a spell, make basically demoting a spell's action economy. So if it's a standard, now it's a bonus action. Whoa. Now. That's right. Okay. Yeah. There are, you can go about this too. Let's talk about paladin sorcerer. Let's talk about fighter sorcerer. Okay. So paladin sorcerer, you're going to quicken a spell and blast off evocation thing. And poof. Then you're going to divine smite on top of your extra attacks with another spell slot and you just burst out all this fucking damage. Hell yeah. So that's one way to be a Nova Knight. The other way is with the fighter, you don't get the divine smite, but what you do get is the action surge. 
Oh, that's so right. So you quicken yeah. a spell, dish out your attacks and your extra attacks, and then action surge, you dish out your attacks and extra attacks. Right. Again. So that's another exploit I've seen out there that's pretty popular. That's fun. Uh, next, the last one we're going to talk about, because like this could just go on and on, but... Um, I, I like this one, and it was one I wasn't familiar with before researching for this episode, and uh, I, I call it the Reckless Rogue, and this is a rogue barbarian thing, and this is the only barbarian multiclass that's really of any particular use, but... I would never think to mix rogue and barbarian. But this particular exploit makes it all fucking worth it. Okay. Um, barbarians get an ability called Reckless Attack, and with Reckless Attack, what you basically do is you grant advantage to your enemies but guarantee advantage on your attacks. Right, okay. Rogues, when they have advantage, get their sneak attack damage. Yeah. So you are no longer relying on anybody else being near you. You can just, you can just wade do into the sneak battle. Attack. Um, now, the downside is, of course, you're granting advantage. But Surprise, here, bitch, I'm huge. But here's, <laughs> here's where things get uh, interesting. The Barbarian Rage feature has a lot of different damage types. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rogue Evasion feature has a bunch of different pretty much all damage types oh. they do in fact stack so it's quarter damage you take quarter damage that's if, bonkers yeah if you're raging and you use evasion yes whoa so the reckless rogue is a very potent build <laughs> it doesn't make sense yeah. roleplay wise you're just like oh but I dodge everything <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm so mad I'm, I'm so fuck, reckless but fuck also I'm so careful fuck that arrow <laughs> yeah pretty much so yeah so yeah those are those are some interesting really cheesy builds out there Wait, that know. if you you're a DM, be careful because if you got a power gamer, they might be eyeballing some of these. I mean, the way I'm the way I'm approaching um, like po- really powerful characters because we're gonna do something on our Patreon that's gonna be really cool with really powerful characters that are all multi-classing pr- pretty much. Oh, you're talking about the Ranger Danger. Ranger Danger. Yeah. yeah. Um, for well, we'll we'll see how uh, how cheesy those get because a lot of them. A lot of classes don't mix well with Ranger, and Ranger isn't necessarily one of the best classes for multi-classing. Yeah, yeah. So they can only get so cheesy. Yeah, but still, like, I'm just thinking, like, how am I going to deal with this powerful stuff? The power yeah. creep. I'm just going to throw the big guns at you guys. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I look forward to it. It'll be fun. Like, here we go. Let's, you, you guys are strong. Here's some strong shit. Let's see what happens. <laughs> let's see how it goes. Um, okay, so let's talk about, like, what classes are best for multi-classing. Yes. Um, Obviously, Warlock. We're going to go through a list. Paladin. We're going to list off why, and then we're going to move on. Um, cleric. We talked about this. They're front-loaded. Also, yes. they're a full caster, which is awesome, and they're a full caster with awesome support spells, which is which is great because with support spells, a lot of the time you don't have to give a fuck about your spellcasting ability mod, so you could dump wisdom and just take spells that don't need, uh, like you know, I don't know, um, shield of faith. You can just cast it; it doesn't yeah. rely on your wisdom. True. So, like that's so you got great support, and you're a full caster, so you get plenty of slots compared to other classes, right? And Wisdom is the main ability score. So if mm-hmm. you do decide to pump your wisdom up, that's a great um, that's a great ability score to have pumped up because wisdom comes into play with a lot of saves and stuff. Yes, it does, and with a lot of skills. Yeah, so, like illusion stuff and whatnot. Yeah, so cleric clerics are a good class. Warlocks because that pack magic man, that pack magic is everything. It just makes right, it so goddamn right. well. Like you basically get short rest slots. And it's very exploitable. Charisma is also a good spellcasting ability. Most, not because it's as good as Wisdom, but because half of the casters in the game are Charisma. Mm-hmm. So it has a lot of opportunities to mix with other casters, which okay. is nice. Uh, Paladin and, and Sorcerer and such. Um, 
Paladin, because of Divine Smite and the way spell slots interact with that. Did that pretty early. Paladin mixes with almost every good caster out there. Right. Um, Sorcerer, because meta magic breaks the meta. Yes. Like quickening and, and twin spells and all that stuff. It interacts with other classes of features, mostly the Paladin, but, you know, also other ones in ways that I don't think that the uh, creators foresaw. Okay. So, yeah. Meta magic and sorcerer. Sorcerer, I think, is quickly becoming, like, the best class to multi-class. That's got to be a shitty feeling. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, damn, I didn't look, I didn't see that coming. It's impossible. It's it happens like, all the time. There's too many variables. Yeah, so exactly. Uh, the bard is the last one I'm going to mention, and they're for the exact same reason as the cleric, minus the front loading, although there is still plenty of front load for the bard, mostly with bardic inspiration. But uh, it's the same thing. They're a full caster with awesome support and charisma is also a really good ability score. So, right. Yeah. So there it is. Some of the worst classes. I'm only going to mention two because some these two are just fucking horrible. Number one, the wizard. The wizard is just a shit class. It's super squishy. Intelligence is no good for fucking anybody else except for the Eldritch Knight. And at that point, it's kind of like, eh. What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. So, unfor- I love the wizard. It's one of my favorite classes. It doesn't multi-class well. Yeah, just be a wizard. The like, wizard is hard, man. Wizard That's is like, hard. Even yeah. if you're just a wizard, sometimes it's like, fuck, like, my AC sucks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, I want to talk about the monk. The monk suffers for a couple of reasons. It doesn't mix well with casters because it relies on a completely different power source called key points. Okay. So, like, you're kind of split between the two, and you end up just not being all that great. Okay. And it... It clashes with other weapon users because rogues and barbarians depend on their weapons for like what they do. Like uh, barbarians kind of favor two-handed weapons. Yeah. And rogues need to use finesse weapons. Now, rogue and monk you can kind of work with, but monks, there's a lot of weapons they can't use, so it doesn't mix well. Also, other fighting styles like with the ranger, fighter, and paladin require a certain uh, weapon uh, dynamic, whether it's sword and board or... Uh, great weapon or whatever and again it just it's really limiting and it's hard to make it work yeah I know there's issues at the early levels with those key points right yeah Yeah. so the monk doesn't mix well for those reasons also the monk itself is already a class that gives up specialization for versatility the monk is an incredibly versatile and fun class that spreads it's never going to be the best at anything but it's going to be good at a lot of things right but when you start multi-classing that it just makes your already bad specialization worse and you just become worse at more things. Fair. So that's my take on it. I could be wrong. If you got good monk or wizard uh, multi-class out there, let me know because that you know the more it the sounds cool more, to the me. better. Yeah. If it works, it works. But that's my basic rundown of multi-classing, Brian. You got any questions, concerns, comments, ideas? Just that, like, it seems like they don't want to promote. I mean, they have sections in the in you know the handbooks to like teach you how to multi-class and yeah. help you multi-class correctly, yeah. and in that sense it's like available to you and Mm -hmm. something that they want used it seems but it also seems like something that they don't want you to do because it's like oh well this cleric has all these different domains Mm -hmm. and like it's a specialization if you want to go in a separate direction like I'm a cleric but I'm a nature cleric and that's kind of like a druid so you don't it kind of like take like why would I also be a why would I multi-class druid right you know I'm a nature cleric and it's like there it is or you know just things like that like the eldritch fighter like or the Eldritch Knight, you know, mm-hmm. like the, why would I multi-class with spell casting when like, oh, I could just be the fighter and have spell casting. There it is. It's simple. Mm, okay. Does that like help new players? Like I understand where you're coming from. Okay. Well, number one, the Eldritch Knight 
sucks. It's really bad. Yeah. It's one of the worst classes you can choose. Yeah. But it's very flavorful and it's totally fulfilling and awesome to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the creators of D&D have to kind of ride this line that they can't stray too far in either direction. On one hand, they want to, they, they want and need to make this game customizable enough to satisfy the people who play it. Right. Generally, people who play D&D are creative people and they have creative ideas and they want to express those ideas. Yeah. Kind of why we all play. Multiclassing is the only way to get that. It's one of the not only is it a very uh, effective way to do it. It's a very traditional way to do it. Multiclassing has been around in some form or other since first edition. Oh, cool. Um, In first edition, it was you could only do it for you were a human. But every edition has their own rendition of multiclassing. So it's traditional. If it wasn't there, people would be fucking pissed. Right. And you need customization options. I mean, you would just homebrew it. It would be hard. It would be difficult, probably. But on the other hand, is customization options are also dangerous because they feed power creep. And power yes. creep is a serious problem. Because even though like we all want to be powerful and do all kinds of cool stuff, like power creep happens no matter what. Mm-hmm. But 5th edition and Wizards of the Coast really wants to mitigate how quickly that happens. And they've done... A spectacular job at mitigating it, but we're actually, it's been long enough now that we are starting to see it. Mm-hmm. That's inevitable. Yeah. Because, but the faster power creep creeps, the quicker we burn out on an addition. Okay. So that's something like they're pe- trying to mitigate. You have so many people playing yeah. and testing all these ideas far faster than your creative team can. Exactly. Like, they're exactly eventually right. going to unlock these things. It happens in fighting games too a yeah. lot where yeah. they're just like, oh shit, you could just do it like this. Yep. And if you find these little frame traps and whatnot, you suddenly, there this is. is the character to play. Yeah. And that's how the meta, the meta game of D&D is developing just like anything. Exactly. That's exactly right. So like, I do feel like there is almost this reluctance. Like they don't want, Multiclassing would be too powerful, so they're kind of like e on it. Like, okay, here's a little bit, and like, what we're gonna do is we're gonna give you built-in options that can kind of, like, archetypes in Fifth Edition. I think are amazing because they do probably keep people from even thinking about multiclassing for like eighty percent of all cases. Yeah, it never even came up until like I stumbled across that section when I got my own player's handbook. Mm-hmm. I finally like, oh crap! I like yeah. this is like you know. Um, dishing out like a skill different skill trees in video games right. it's like that like yeah. oh fuck i can just do this this yeah, is awesome absolutely so uh yeah i think archetypes are designed to to mitigate multiclassing absolutely um and i think that's a good thing and i think it's a smart thing and also multiclassing should probably be done by more experienced players anyways yeah so just based on it, how complicated it is most players aren't even going to get the desire to multiclass until they've been playing for a while and they know yeah, what they're doing exactly so yeah. like well I'm, I'm not going to do this complicated shit when i don't even know how to like you know yeah. what what's a deck save where do i find that on my character sheet you know right, that's right. those are things that i <laughs> right. dealt, i dealt with as a player for like a year yeah. of playing this i'm like oh shit let me what is that again <laughs> oh fuck yeah okay yeah. here which die is it? Yeah. It's funny. No matter how long I play and how understanding I try to be of new players, like there's always a part of me that gets so frustrated with how slow they find the shit on their sheet. Yeah. Because like, ah! if you don't play D&D, yeah. it's all very foreign. And it, it is. That D12 really does is. look a lot like a D20. It does. God. <laughs> curse curse the dice gods for making them look so similar because like, I can't tell. Uh, anyways, moving on. Uh, anything else on multiclassing? Nah. Okay. All right. Let's call it a <laughs> let's game. Let's call it a game. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you guys later.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.